I've got an exciting announcement about Adapt Naturals, my new supplement line that launched a few weeks ago. You can now purchase Adapt Naturals products separately. As you may know, we started with the Core Plus Bundle, a daily stack of five products that work together to add back in what the modern world is squeezed out and help you feel and perform your best. The feedback on Core Plus has been fantastic. Most people have patched together a cupboard full of supplements without a clear strategy or plan. So our early Core Plus customers are glad to have a one-stop shop that gives them everything they need each day, from essential vitamins and minerals like B12, folate, magnesium, and vitamin D, to phytonutrients like bioflavonoids, carotenoids, and beta-glucans. But understandably, we've also had a lot of requests from people who'd like to buy the products in the bundle separately. The good news is that was always part of the plan, and we have now made it possible. I've created a quiz to make it easy to figure out which products would be the best fit for your needs. You can find that at adaptnaturals.com quiz. I've also categorized the products by health conditions and goals like cardiometabolic health, brain and cognitive function, immunity, etc. Just go to adaptnaturals.com and click on shop in the upper right to find those pages. Finally, you can visit the individual product pages to learn more about each product and how it can help you to optimize your health. Head over to adaptnaturals.com to learn more and place an order. Hey everybody, Chris Kresser here. Welcome to another episode of Revolution Health Radio. The two environments in which we spend the most time are work and home, at least for most of us. We talk a lot on the show about steps we can take at home to improve our health, but what about our work environment? Stressful work environments can contribute to health issues like anxiety, depression, digestive issues, migraines, and heart disease. And when people don't feel supported at work, it massively impacts their health and can create burnout. In addition, workers with pre-existing health issues and disabilities often struggle to keep up in our hyper-capitalist society, and it can be hard for them to find money and time to heal or manage their condition. This week, I'm excited to welcome Julia Stefanides as my guest. Julie is an attorney who works in the employment and civil rights fields. Her goal is to empower people with health issues to navigate the challenging systems in our society, to feel supported and confident standing up for themselves at work and home. Her goal is to empower people with health issues to navigate the challenging systems in our society, to feel supported and confident standing up for themselves at work and at home. She's represented people with health issues and disabilities and appealed denials of disability benefits for clients with fibromyalgia, arthritis, and autoimmune conditions. She's also counseled and advocated for clients who were denied medical leave or retaliated against for taking it and clients who needed accommodations in the workplace. I confess that I hadn't thought much about these topics before Julia contacted me. She was a patient at my former clinic, California Center for Functional Medicine, and she's been personally affected by the challenges of navigating the workplace with a serious medical condition. Through her work and personal experience, she's come to understand the extent to which our work environment impacts our health. And this is a topic I really haven't explored in the past on the show, so I invited Julia to join me to discuss it. I suspect that some of you who listen to the show are affected by the issues we'll talk about, so I hope this provides some insight and resources that can help. Ready? Let's dive in. Julia, welcome to the show. It's such a pleasure to have you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, so maybe you could start by telling uh, the audience a little bit about your background and how you got interested in being an advocate for people who are experiencing health issues in the workplace. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's kind of a, my story is twofold. You know, I have my professional experience uh, representing workers, and then I also have my personal journey with health issues that has been very challenging to say the least. So um, after I graduated from law school, I spent three years representing workers that were facing discrimination and harassment at work. And, you know, doing this work, I just saw firsthand how these stressful work environments that so many of us are in here in the United States um, can cause and contribute to health issues like anxiety, depression, digestive issues, migraines, even heart disease. Um, and then as part of this work, I also represented people who had health issues, pre-existing health issues. So I appealed, you know, denials of disability benefits for clients with arthritis, fibromyalgia, autoimmune conditions, things like that. Uh, and I counseled and advocated for employees who needed accommodations in the workplace um, and employees who were denied medical leave or retaliated against for taking medical leave. Um, and now I still do workers' rights stuff, but I work in-house at a labor union. So I, you know, that's how I, I kind of got introduced to this um, professionally. And at the same time, I was dealing with my own health issues that were uh, very vexing for me. You know, right when I graduated from law school, I started having kind of mysterious symptoms, debilitating vestibular migraines, major digestive issues. Um, and, you know, conventional doctors kept telling me that my, you know, everything was normal. You look great. You're in perfect health. And I was like, I can barely function. Yeah. So I'm um, yeah. and, and luckily, heard that story before, right? <laughs> yes. yeah. And luckily I found, um, you know, the center that you co-founded the California center for functional medicine and started getting some answers. But I know that I personally had to do a lot of advocacy for myself in order to juggle being a lawyer and working, you know, long hours and in a very fast paced environment and, you know, doing work that I really loved, but um, also taking care of myself and making sure that I could sustain that work. And so the, you know, it, it, there was an intersection there where I really understood what my clients at work were going through because I was going through it at the same time. Mm. Yeah, it's it's sort of like the, the wounded healer archetype in medicine, but transferred to a legal setting. <laughs> Like, exactly. You've, you've been through that, you know what it's like to experience those challenges and you're can be much more empathetic and able to understand, you know, what, what people in that situation are facing. So, um, it's, it's often so, so true that our own personal experience, you know, when we come to our work through our own, through the lens of our own personal experience, we have a lot more to bring to it. So it's, it's Absolutely. great that you ended up here. So let's set this up for people um who are listening i mentioned in the introduction that it's it's funny because before you approached me i uh, about this um show i thought a lot and written a lot about how certain aspects of how the workplace affects our health like we sit a lot you know we tend to sit a lot at work and you know moving to a standing desk or at least alternating between a sitting and standing desk can help and or maybe you take walking meetings at lunch, but you know, it's really more along the lines of, of like movement and body mechanics and, you know, maybe talking about how to eat well um, when you're working in an office or traveling a lot and things of that nature. But I confess that I hadn't really thought as much about the other issues in the workplace that impact health. 
in part because I've never really worked in an office. So, <laughs> you know, well, I, lucky you, Chris. <laughs> lucky me. That that is definitely a privilege. But you know, it wasn't like something. You know, I don't have the experience of like working mm -hmm. in an office for a big corporation and being you know discriminated against or like not feeling like I can take care of myself because I'm an employee of this company who has these, you know, policies that are not aligned with the health, my own needs and, and, and health. So I'm number one, really glad that you reached out. And number two, you know, I think it, it's, it's obvious, right? If you think about it, we spend the majority, most of us spend the majority of our time either at home or at work. And so, you know, a lot of the things I talk about on the show are, are more directed towards like what people are doing in their personal life. And yet there's this big gaping hole in the strategy, I guess, if, if eight, <laughs> eight, eight, eight plus 10 hours or whatever it is are spent in a really unhealthy environment and we're totally shaped by our environment. So this is uh, the problem that you are addressing, of course. I couldn't have said it better myself. And that's, that's exactly what I came to realize too, is I, you know, I was doing all the right things. I was, you know, eating the, the paleo ish diet. I was exercising every day. I was actually a fitness instructor outside of my legal job. I have like a robust mindfulness practice. I'm, I'm like doing everything you're supposed to do. And yet I'm not getting better. And I started learning more about the impacts of environment on health and, you know, my two main environments that I was in were my home and my workplace and my home was moldy. So there was that. And my workplace was extremely stressful and demanding. And I had a certain number of hours, you know, that I had to bill every year. So, you know, just setting boundaries wasn't, wasn't going to cut it. So, you know, I realized like, oh, you know, even if I'm doing all of these things, if my nervous system is in the state of fight or flight all the time, because of, you know, the demands that are, are being made of me at work and I'm dealing with this mold issue at home, like no matter what I do, it's just not going to be enough. And so I started thinking more and more about, uh, you know, American workplaces generally, I started talking to friends about it. And so many of my lawyer friends are in very similar situations where, you know, they're, they're they have very healthy habits, aside from the fact that they work 12 hours a day. And so, um, and I also have, I'm Greek. So my family's from Cyprus and they have a very different culture there at, you know, most of Europe does where people sort of work nine to five, if that, and, you know, they spend a lot more time with family, they're outside a lot more. And, um, you know, I just, they, they, my cousins in Greece think I'm so weird and that everyone here is so weird. They're like, why do you work all the time? Yeah. It's work to live rather than live to work, right? I lived right. in I lived in Spain for a year and I've spent quite a bit of time in Europe. So I'm familiar with that. Yes. You know, the dynamic of get up after you've I missed the whole, you know, this is not healthy necessarily, but you know, they go out, stay out late, get up in the morning, work, come home, siesta for a few hours, and then go back exactly. after and pretend to work for a few <laughs> hours after the siesta. Now, of course, I mean, that was 25 years ago. So it's probably things have changed since then. But. Not, maybe not that much. And also, I, you know, I will say I've looked at a lot of studies that show that actually, even though they work fewer hours, like Denmark has an incredibly high rate of worker productivity. 
So even though they work like nine to 4.30 or nine to five, they have a 37 hour work week, their levels of productivity are shown to be much higher than the US, Canada, Japan. So it's not like the number of hours worked correlate with how much is actually getting done. Yeah, I've talked about this with Kyle Newport on the on the show. And then yeah. and there's also the study I'm sure that you're, you're probably familiar with. I can't forget the name of the company. It was one of the first to do this. And it was a company in New Zealand that went down to a four hour uh, work, a uh, four day work week. And they saw productivity increase significantly of course. Uh, from that decision. So yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that. Cause I I've, I've definitely mentioned this uh, on the show numerous times and had different guests on to talk about it, but I like to talk about it because it's a, it's a really important issue. And, and I don't think that those of us who live in the U S especially people who have not had the chance to live and work in a different culture, understand that this is not the norm necessarily worldwide, right. or it's a certain way of doing things that has become so deeply entrenched in our society that we think of it as just the way, the only way and the normal way, or, and even the way that it's done everywhere else, but it's not. So tell us like in your research, what, what is different about work? in the US relative to work in other countries and even relative to work in the US 50 years ago, which is profoundly different than it is now. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, this is more gonna be anecdotal as opposed to super research-based, but what I can say, just seeing, you know, representing employees who are in a variety of stressful work environments and seeing just what my generation has gone through, I, I can definitely say that um, yeah, work is a lot more stressful in the U.S. now than it was 50 years ago. And work in the U.S. is very unique in the demands that are made of employees and the lack of like worker protections that we have in this country and sort of benefits on like a federal level. And even, you know, in many states, California happens to have very good benefits and I practice in California, but, you know, a lot of states don't, and even California's benefits don't even come close to what people have in, in most of Europe. So I would say that, you know, the main differences are <laughs> number one, just the number of hours worked here and the expectation that we work those hours. And I hear a lot of people talking about how it's just important, you know, they put the onus on the individual and they say, you need to, everyone needs to learn how to set better boundaries. That may be true, but we're also raised in a culture where we are so conditioned by this hyper-capitalist, like productivity is your source of worth, a kind of, you know, ethos. And so a lot of people don't have the option to set boundaries because they may lose their jobs. You know, that may be the expectation. Companies here really do have an always on expectation. I can speak, especially in law, where you're sort of expected to be, you know, answering emails at all hours, maybe not 2 a.m., but, you know, from... 6 a.m. until 11 p.m., let's say. I've gotten emails that people have sent at 2 a.m. <laughs> Not even in the, I, haven't, I wasn't checking at 2 a.m., but I've right. seen that people are sending emails at 2 a.m. That's not unusual anymore to no. see that. You no, know? exactly. Yeah. People are working all the time. And so there's just this, this idea that like, you know, the 40-hour work week already to me seems like that's a lot of our lives to spend working. But here, you know, people will say, oh, my hours aren't that bad. It's like 50 hours a week, maybe, maybe 60. You know, what? That's like your entire waking day. So, you know, I think that's probably the biggest issue is that in a lot of other countries, it's just culturally not 
not as like socially acceptable or admired to be working really long hours. Whereas right. here it's seen, it's like a badge of honor. And we're really raised to believe that, you know, our work is our purpose, which I think is great. And like, my work is very purpose-driven, but um, we're just really raised to associate our work with our sense of self-worth. And I think because of that, you know, there's, there's a, a lot of conflating of the two and sort of a lack of leisure time. And I think, yeah, companies expect long hours and workers are much more willing to give long hours because like you said, they don't know that there's another way. This is how, this is such a part of the American culture. And I think that really needs to shift. And I think it's starting to shift. I think like the, you know, the great resignation is kind of workers taking back their power a little bit and saying like, maybe we don't want to spend our entire lives, you know, toiling away for companies that don't seem to care much about us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a great point. And um, maybe COVID was kind of a wake up call to help, help people to, to realize that because uh, again, just anecdotally, I, in, our, in our neighborhood, I remember, especially in the early part of, you know, in 2020, like in, let's say, March through or April through like July or August, when nearly everybody was home, you know, it was just sort of lo early lockdown period. Oh. There were people, I would just look out the window and I would see families like riding, you know, the whole family's riding bikes up the street or skateboard, you know, kids are skateboarding and people are like playing in their driveway. And I was, I, I was having flashbacks to like early, like mid 19, late 1970s when I was a kid, you know, that, that was basically how it was when I was yeah. growing up, you know, yeah. people, there was a lot more of that. It's not that people didn't work hard and work long hours. Um, but the, I think there was just generally a lot more time for people to be at home with their families and, doing leisure time activities. And, um, there was more emphasis placed on that. And I think you're right. It's, you know, the Protestant work ethic is part of what drives it, but that was still there 50 years ago in the 1970s. Um, one of the biggest changes it seems to me is the the almost complete dissolution of boundaries between work and life. And which is in part driven by smartphones and all of these new technologies that we have where, in the past, if you worked in an office and you had a computer at your office, you would just leave the office and you were done with work. You weren't going to be, yes. there, there was no email, there was no smartphone, there was no laptops, there was no iPads. And there was really, it was hard to work when you weren't at work. Yes. Which is how it should be, right? Right. And now it's the opposite. It's hard not to work mm -hmm. um, when you're not at work. It, it, you, the individual, the onus is placed on the individual as you pointed out, to set up all of the break stops and boundaries and ways of, of, of like trying to insulate yourself from work when you're not at work, because by default, it's set up so that you will just have 24 seven exposure to work. Exactly. You have your email on your phone. So why That's right. not, why couldn't you answer my email? You were, you've had your phone on you. Yeah. You're on vacation. Well, you still got your phone. You're exactly. still presumably checking your email. <laughs> And, you know, as an example of other of, of steps that other countries have taken to deal with this, and, you know, France famously, I think, passed some laws that made it um, actually penalize companies for expecting employees to work when they were on vacation or even after hours. I think there was some legislation passed where when people go on vacation, the emails that they get sent are automatically deleted or 
siphoned off into some other system or whatever so that when they come back from vacation they don't come back to this avalanche of emails that are waiting for them and you know just from talking to people i'm sure you hear this as well that's a major reason that people don't take time off you know something like 60 percent of people don't take the even two weeks of vacation in the us and i know from talking to people that part of that is because it's a drag, you know, to go on vacation and come back and feel like you're just like playing catch up for the next, you know, two months or something. Absolutely. And, and if your organization is not adequately staffed, which, you know, a lot of, because of this whole, like maximizing profits thing, America, you know, every capitalist country does that to a certain extent, but America sort of takes it to the next level where it's so hyper-capitalist here that like, there are a lot of, of companies that, don't want to spend the money on extra workers. So they put too much work on too few people. And that just means that taking vacations is tough because when you want to go out on a vacation, you have to really bust your butt to get a whole, like you're basically working double time the week before you go out and that's exhausting. And then you come back and like you said, you're working extra hard to then catch up. And it's almost like, was it worth it to have one week off, but I had to work, you know, double the hours the week before and the week after. So it really is a matter of organizations, like creating a workplace where the work is dispersed and where there's enough support that if you do go out, people can cover your work while you're out, right? I mean, these are these are things that organizations can prevent, but I think there's like, and like you mentioned, they can, they can use legislation, but they can also, you know, there can be policies within the company that mitigate the effects of this stuff. But I think, Again, in this country, we just have such a culture of like the expectation is that people will just give everything to their jobs um, where there hasn't been as much pressure to do that until I think now it's, it's kind of building, which is great. If you've listened to this show for a while, you know that I'm a super active guy. Depending on the time of year, I'm either skiing, mountain biking, hiking, backpacking, surfing, or lifting weights on most days of the week. I also live in a really dry climate at high elevation. For these reasons, I pay a lot of attention to hydration. I've learned the hard way what happens when I get dehydrated, and I know how important hydration is to overall health. But hydration isn't just about drinking water. It's about water plus electrolytes. This is where Element comes in. It's a combination of electrolytes like sodium, potassium, and magnesium in easy-to-use individual packets that you just add right to your water bottle. And unlike most electrolyte products on the market, Element is free of sugar and artificial junk. I drink Element every day and it's made a huge difference in how I feel. Even with my training and profession, I don't think I realized how often I was dehydrated before I made Element part of my daily routine. If you'd like to try it, the folks at Element have an exclusive offer for my podcast listeners. You can get a free sample pack with one of each of the eight flavors Element sells when you purchase any Element product. This is perfect for anyone who wants to try all of the flavors or who wants to introduce a friend to Element. Just go to cresser.co slash Element, that's L-M-N-T, to place an order and take advantage of this offer. Yeah, I've seen a shift, I think, in the last few years, at least in terms of the gestalt around overwork. And, you know, maybe 10 years ago, it was like, how's it going? I'm so busy right now. I'm just so, you know, like I'm so yeah. busy. That that was always the, the the response and it was like that was like the high status response to say totally. how bu- how busy you were. And now I I don't think that that's the case anymore. At least in certain 
you know, niches or subcultures that, that being extremely busy all the time and having no time for your, yourself or your family, um, is, uh, no longer seen as a badge of honor and yeah. is, is starting to be, um, if not frowned upon, at least viewed with some skepticism. So <laughs> there, there, yes. there, there's a bit yeah. of a shift there, at least like in the circles that I'm connected to. And I wonder if that cultural shift is, you know, it, it, I don't see that that's coming from like the companies, companies and corporations themselves. It's coming from a, a cultural trend or a cultural shift. And I'm just curious if you are seeing any shifts if you're seeing that shift mirrored or reflected in any way in, you know, company, company policies and, and um, ways that companies are approaching this? Yeah, that's a good question. So, I mean, I can speak to, again, just what I've seen. I don't, I've never worked for a company. I've always represented workers. So I always see it from the worker side. And I think, I think what I've seen more is like the, the beginnings of this movement. I think that, like you said, companies are responsive to the market, right? And, and companies may not decide single-handedly, like, we want to be a, a really great place for people to work. And just we're just going to like do this thing where we hire a lot of extra people so that people have less work. I mean, they're not going to, most companies aren't going to do that unless there's a pressure to do it or, you know, to, to have better disability benefits or things like that. These are expensive and, and, Maybe there are some companies who are going to do that on their own, but typically it's going to come from, we need to do this or we're not going to be able to hire good people. And so I'm hoping that that's what, you know, this, this time is doing. What I've heard, you know, I haven't changed jobs in, you know, I've been at, at the labor union where I work for about three years. And so um, I, but I've heard secondhand from friends who have been job hunting that it is a more employee friendly market. And that companies are realizing like people don't want to be expected to work all the time. People, you know, companies are raising pay, which is also a really important thing, right? Being underpaid and not being able to meet, you know, cover your basic needs is, is a huge issue for people with health issues. It's a huge issue for anyone, but if you have health issues, that's expensive, right? And you're going to need to be buying a certain type of food. And maybe you need to be going to a chiropractor, which isn't covered by insurance and things like that. Maybe you need to be paying for Lyme disease treatments that aren't covered by insurance. So, you know, pay is huge for people with health issues. Um, so yeah, I think companies are finally starting to realize like workers are absolutely fed up. They're tired of feeling frankly exploited. And I think that there is a lot more, um, awareness, particularly with long COVID around um, disability benefits and people needing time off to care for their health. So I have certainly heard about more companies that are offering like COVID leaves and, and just more generous leaves with respect to, you know, health issues and, and just more sort of awareness around accommodating people with health issues in the workplace rather than deciding, oh, we just don't want to hire those people or, oh, this person has health issues. We don't, we're going to, we need to phase them out because now with, with long COVID, you know, a large percentage of the population is going to be experiencing chronic health issues. And I think that's brought kind of a new awareness to the conversation. So, yeah, let's, let's, let's tie this back now to health um, more specific, specifically as you just did, like 
in addition to just the sheer overwork um, that a lot of people are experiencing, what is it about workplaces that tend to have negative health impact? Absolutely. I could, I could go on about this for hours. So you might have to cut me off if I go on too long. So yeah, I think there's just um, the, the pressure that people face in an American workplace tends to be extremely high. And, and we have this conditioning in us that's like, my work is my worth. And therefore, if I'm not succeeding there, I'm a worthless human. And that's conditioning that needs to really be unlearned or mitigated. Um, there's these unreasonable demands on workers. There's also this like a, a major rise in the cost of living. You had mentioned how different it was back in the seventies. My dad is an immigrant from a village in Cyprus and like was able to make it in this country, you know, and do well for himself. And he's like, I never would have made it today. You know, things have changed. I graduated law school with $200,000 of debt. My dad graduated from pharmacy school with no debt. So um, all of these things are basically pointing to stress and being in survival mode. And I think one thing I realized about my own situation and about so many of the people I was representing at work is their nervous systems were in a constant state of fight or flight, right? Never resting, never in rest and digest. And so they're constantly just trying to get their basic needs met, whether that's a need for, you know, making a certain amount of money, um, a need for respect from their bosses, you know, they're, they're just always in that mode of, of being stressed and strung out. And it, it never allows for them to get into that space of healing. So even if you're eating all the right food, meditating for an hour a day, you know, trying to connect with community, exercising, all of that, if anything, doing all of that on top of a really, really stressful job can, can almost cause more stress and more anxiety. So I think what happens is people get in these cycles where their, you know, their nervous systems are just completely strung out and their health is majorly impacted by that. Not to mention that people who have pre-existing health issues, I mean, these workplaces can, can cause health issues just because people are, are constantly in fight or flight. But for people who have pre-existing health issues, like they get Lyme disease or they, um, you know, have cancer or diabetes or something like that, that wasn't necessarily caused by the job, trying to manage that while you're in a, you know, a workplace where you're expected to work 50 to 60 hours a week, um, or where, you know, the demands on you during your working hours, even if you're not working crazy hours, the demands are just too high. It's very, very hard to manage those conditions when so much of your energy is going to work. And so I think it really worsens those conditions to be in a high stress work environment, even if it doesn't, it's not, I'm not saying that these workplaces are the cause of all of our health issues in America. I, I think it certainly does, you know, they are the cause of many, but of course there are many other, you know, environmental causes and um, other, other causes of disease. It's just that without, you know, being able to live a balanced life, it's really hard to, to uh, reverse those diseases and, and treat them. What about the, the, the physical aspects of the workplace itself? You know, I'm thinking of like bright fluorescent lights yes. and, uh, you know, sit, sit, sitting in a chair in, at a desk or a cubicle in a cubicle for long periods of time, uh, maybe limited access to healthy food options, no kitchen or just a microwave to heat things up. 
I mean, frankly, those were some of the things that really like made me uninterested in working uh, in an office or for a, a big company when I was, you know, younger and thinking about what I wanted to do with my life. Just the the actual physical experience of being in that type of environment for long hours was so off-putting to me. So do yeah. you think that makes a big difference for, for people? I do. I mean, I do. I, I think that it's really, and that's why it's, it's very important, especially if you already have a health issue, to know what your needs are in a workplace and to be able to vocalize that. And basically what we call that is a reasonable accommodation. But yeah, of course, for certain people, I mean, probably for everyone, but I know for certain people like me, I'm highly sensitive to my environment and fluorescent lights, like make me feel sick. Like I just hate them. And like, I just, I can't work with them. So, I mean, what I did when now I work from home fully, but when I worked um, in the office, I turned off the fluorescent lights and I just had my company order me like a a standing, like a warm colored lamp um, that was like a floor lamp. And that really helped. So I think there are ways you can certainly mitigate that. Definitely more companies are open to standing desks. Um, you know, I think there are a lot of companies that have like big um, collaborative workspaces and some people really don't do well and need, need a private office. Some people love the collaborative workspace and they want to be in that so I think it's really important to, to try to personalize your work environment to your needs. And that's where, you know, from my perspective, a reasonable accommodation um, for a disability would come in. And I can talk more about that as well later. But I think it always is always helpful just to, to tell your workplace, you know, what you think you might need to do your job better, because at the end of the day, you're going to be more productive and hap much happier if you're able to get an environment and a setup that you need. And I think also that's why working from home, I mean, a lot of companies are now offering hybrid. And I know when I work from home, I can cook my own meals and I have a, you know, I go for a walk every hour. I go sit in the park for half an hour at lunch that, you know, getting some sunlight in the middle of the day, getting some physical activity in there really helps me. And so I think it's definitely a privilege for those who are able to do some work from home, take advantage of that, right? Go to a midday workout class if you can kind of tailor tailor your work schedule to your needs and you'll end up being so much more productive. Absolutely. So you mentioned this earlier in the call and, and I, um, I think it's important to reiterate that there's a tendency to um, make this an individual problem. Like you just need better work-life boundaries or you, you know, you just need um, better ways of, of, you know, when you go on vacation, like cutting off your, access to emails and things like that. And, and, and those strategies are important and we can talk about some of them, but that's a con that's convenient for companies to <laughs> promote those ideas because then companies themselves don't have to change those, the systems and structures that um, create these environments in the first place. And I, I just talked about this with Gene Rogers, who's um, involved with the Children's Screen Time Action Network. And mm -hmm. it was a different topic, but similar idea where um, the tech companies are incentivized to make it seem like it's an individual issue, like how much time you spend on your device. And, and again, you know, there are, there's some truth to that, that we have, we have some ability to respond. We have responsibility, um, as individuals, um, in terms of our relationships to technology. But I think the analogy that was used in, in Johan Hari's book, Stolen Focus was, 
making it an individual issue is like saying that the solution to air pollution is that we all just wear gas masks, you know, <laughs> like all the time. Yeah, maybe we should wear, you know, do something to protect ourselves. But I, clearly, the solution there is to is to take much bigger steps to address, you know, air pollution on a, at a systemic level. So, recognizing that that's the case here as well with workplace stuff. But also acknowledging that most individuals who are listening to this are not in that position where they're going to be making those systemic changes. How can people advocate for themselves in such a way that starts a conversation, at least with the management in the, in the company or, or encourages companies to take responsibility for um, their role in it? And it's where it's not just an individual problem, seen as just an individual problem. Well, I love that question, Chris, and I just, I couldn't agree with you more. I think so many people in the health and wellness space are just talking about health as if it's, the onus is always on the person. It's like, if you're unhealthy, it's your fault. Here's what you can do to get healthy. And it's like, God, you know, that's just such a blaming approach because you're failing to look at all the systems in this, in this country, in this world that cause poor health. And so many of them are beyond an individual's control. Right. And I think it's just really important to acknowledge that and to acknowledge that like we're living in an unhealthy society and if you're sick it's not your fault but of course you know my whole my whole thing and what i do with legally holistic is uh, i try to help people kind of take their power back and i you know acknowledging all of those systems and then saying how do we navigate them in a skillful way and you know how do we how can we become empowered within those systems so you know, obviously, if you're a person in a management position, I think it's really important to think about creating a healthier workplace. And I don't just mean healthy, like, you know, people are encouraged to get, get up and take breaks, but people are paid well, there's enough people to do the work. And, you know, there's um, healthy communication. That's one thing I've seen in a lot of legal workplaces is like people don't, people are very good lawyers, but they're not necessarily trained as managers. And they're, they're not, emotionally intelligent managers. And that causes so much stress. And I, I would even say like trauma for some of the employees to be in a workplace where there's a lot of dysfunctional communication. People don't learn nonviolent communication. So, uh, you know, if you're in a management position, I think there's, you really have a responsibility to try to incorporate all of these healthy, healthier behaviors and, and kind of model that from the top down. But for people who aren't in a management position, you know, I think it's just important to really know your worth and know your needs and know what your priorities are in a workplace and learn how to skillfully advocate for yourself. So, you know, that means like, especially in this market, really negotiate your pay. That's something that women are a lot less likely to do than men. Um, and ask for what you need in order to do your job productively. So if like we had mentioned earlier, if you get anxious or distracted in the company's open floor plan, ask if you can have a private office or noise canceling headphones and say, you know, frame it as I really want to be doing my best work. And, you know, I'm really excited about the company and I have so much to contribute. And I, I just, I get really distracted. I think I could be a lot more focused and do better work if I could get an office or get some headphones, right? Uh, if you find commuting exhausting because, you know, you have chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia, or 
if you know other other reasons ask the company if, if you can work from home a couple of days a week or full time you know so these are examples of reasonable accommodations um but i think just and also i think prioritize finding work that feels purposeful to you and where you can it doesn't have to be like your you know your purpose could be providing for my family right but find a way to center your work around a purpose so that it, you know, you feel it feels more meaningful as you're doing it, and then I, I think really prioritize finding an organization that is good to their workers, where people are happy, you know, where you like the people that you're working with. That makes a huge impact on your health to have good relationships with your coworkers. Um, and I know I learned during the pandemic, like I'm not, I, I live alone, and. I didn't realize the extent to which my coworkers at my last job were like my family because I, every day I went in and I, you know, they'd be like, Oh, how was your date last night? Like, Oh, and how, you know, how's the living stuff going? Oh, and your dog was at, you know, at the vet, how's he doing? And, you know, then going into quarantine and not having really anyone to check in on me other than by text, I realized, wow, that like really was so much healthier for me to have this built in community. So there's things that Work can actually be really beneficial to your health if you're prioritizing finding a place where, you know, there's healthy communication, people work well together, they respect your boundaries, you know, they, they pay you well for the work that you're doing and where you, you like the work. Yeah, that's it's super important. And it does seem like there's a flip side to the virtual work as well, which, you know, on the one hand, you have more, like you said, more opportunity to cook your own meals and take breaks and, you know, exercise, um, go sit in the park in the middle of the day, all that great stuff. The, the downside might be for people who do enjoy being in an environment in person, you know, in physical reality with other people, uh, almost being forced to work virtually, which I know some people have been in that situation as well, where they'd actually prefer to be in an office at least part of the time has been a challenge. And it seems like there's a lot less recourse there in some way, because if the company has just shut down its office entirely, or if they're just really not allowing people to come into the office, then um, that might be a more challenge in some ways, a more challenging situation than even asking to work for ho from home for one or two days a week. Yeah. And I, I think that's right. And I, I mean, I know for me, I realized that what would be best is a hybrid model. So I have a couple of days at home to be meal prepping and, you know, doing laundry and having my midday park, you know, sessions, but, but I do overall really need that community. And so I think, you know, knowing that is helpful and, and, there are, there are, apparently the job market is good right now. So there are gonna be offices where they are still having people come in person. And I think it's something for, for you to think about if, if you know, I think it's so important to like know your needs and then to the extent that you can to align your work with those needs, right? So if you realize I'm someone who really works well in an office and your company doesn't have an office anymore, you may wanna think about getting another job. Yeah. So for folks who are listening to this and are relating resonating with uh, what you're saying and are in a situation where they may have a health condition that causes challenges for them at work and they don't feel like they're getting the accommodation that they would like to get where do they find out more about what their rights are do those vary a lot from state to state that's probably a rhetorical question but you know um 
where do, where do, where's the best place for people to look and even find out what their rights are and what what they have you know what they can ask for from their employers yeah that's such an important question chris because a lot of people with health issues are really struggling to keep up at work and they don't know what their rights are. You know, the employee benefits and protections in this country are certainly much weaker than many developed countries, but the good news is that there are still options and protections in place and knowing your rights will really empower you to skillfully navigate your situation at work. And that will, I can say firsthand, that will massively support your healing process. So yes, the laws do vary state by state. Um, there are two important protections at the federal level that are helpful for people with health issues. The first is the Family and Medical Leave Act or the FMLA, which I'm sure many listeners have heard of. This allows certain workers to take up to 12 weeks of unpaid leave in a year to deal with a serious health condition that makes them unable to perform the essential functions of their job. And if you're eligible for FMLA leave, the company has to hold your job open and maintain your benefits while you're out. A lot of people just don't realize that they can use this leave and take time off because they don't think their health condition is necessarily serious enough. But I was very pleased to learn that things like chronic migraines and autoimmune conditions, even anxiety, depression, can make you eligible for FMLA, um, particularly if your doctor is willing to certify that the condition is interfering with your ability to complete your work. There are some limitations like the FMLA only applies to companies with 50, 50 or more employees within a 75 mile radius. So make sure to research the law to see whether it applies to you. And if it doesn't, check what your state law offers. Uh, California requires that companies with just five or more employees offer this medical leave. Uh, and I can just say firsthand, this is a really helpful benefit. Um, I've used it. And when I finally took a three month medical leave, it just changed my life because, you know, it gave me the time I needed to focus on my health without stress and distractions. So I, you know, I highly recommend taking advantage of this. And of course, a lot of people can't afford to take three months off work without pay. And, uh, you know, I definitely couldn't. And luckily many companies do offer short-term disability benefits that will cover you while you're out. And if your company doesn't have these benefits, your state might offer them. California is great. They offer short-term disability. And I think the payments for me were about 60% of my salary, but they weren't taxable. So it ended up being close to what I make anyway. I've included more information on the FMLA in the show notes. And you can also just Google medical leave in your state to see what your state offers. And the other important federal law is the Americans with Disabilities Act or the ADA. Uh, this basically says that your employer can't discriminate against you in any way or reject your job application because you have a disability. The law also requires employers to provide reasonable accommodations to workers with disabilities, which we've, we've talked a little bit about. So um, yeah, and the ADA only applies to employers with 15 or more employees. And again, there's more information in the show notes. And I'd make sure to Google whether your state has a disability discrimination law as well, because it may apply to companies with even fewer employees or otherwise be better for workers than the ADA. So, you know, one thing I do want to note when I when I was having migraines, I didn't identify as a person with a disability, but the definition of disability is broader than you might think. And a lot of people with health issues are covered under the law. 
The definition of disability is a person with a physical or mental impairment that substantially limits a major life activity. And that can certainly include things like autoimmune disease, anxiety, depression, you know, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, things like that. Yeah, that's super important for people to know, because I think, I mean, we might have a limited conception, like you said, of what actually, a dis what a disability is and how, and what qualifies you for getting additional consideration in the workplace. And um, it just seems like there's, I think for a lot of people, probably a pretty big gap between what the, you know, the laws have changed a lot, I know, in a lot of states, and there's just generally more available uh, than people realize uh, yeah. from, from what I've seen in talking to folks. Because, you know, this isn't my area per se, but as a healthcare provider, I often encounter people who are in this situation and who've taken steps to try to um, improve their circumstances at work. And they've often found out that they, there's more there are more options available to them than they originally thought. So I think it sounds like Googling this stuff is a good first step. And um, we've got to wrap it up now, but I'd love for you to tell people where they can uh, find you if they want to reach out. And if, if someone listening to this needs help and they're in California, um, how they can contact you. Yeah, um, I have a website, www.legallyholistic.com. I'm also on Instagram at legally.holistic. Um, and yeah, I, I love working with, I have a kind of a consulting practice where I help people navigate health challenges in all aspects, but you know, particularly focused on advocating for themselves at work. Oh, great. So because you're not, if you're not in a kind of um, attorney client relationship, can you work, can you consult with people from, from any state? Yeah. I mean, I don't offer, what I offer is not formal legal advice. And right. like you said, I'm not in an attorney client relationship with them, but uh, I, it's more like coaching and I can talk about, you know, where they can find all the relevant laws, what some of the federal laws are and kind of, you know, just talk them through their options and, and help them figure out the best path forward. But uh, so, yeah, I can work with people from all over the country. Fantastic. Well, Julia, thanks so much for joining me. I, I think a lot of people are going to be helped by this and appreciate all the work you're doing advocating for folks to, to take care of themselves in the workplace. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks everybody for listening. Keep sending your questions to chriscresser.com slash podcast question, and we'll see you next time. That's the end of this episode of Revolution Health Radio. If you appreciate the show and want to help me create a healthier and happier world, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. They really do make a difference. If you'd like to ask a question for me to answer on a future episode, you can do that at chriscresser.com slash podcast question. You can also leave a suggestion for someone you'd like me to interview there. If you're on social media, you can follow me at twitter.com slash chriscresser or facebook.com slash chriscresserlac. I post a lot of articles and research that I do throughout the week there that never makes it to the blog or podcast, so it's a great way to stay abreast of the latest developments. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.